What's going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Osteo, and today we will be reviewing Phase 1 with Adam and Taylor from Orlando City, UK. Taylor, how are you doing today? Really good. Thanks, Gavin. Uh, pleasure to be on, as always. Um, yeah, so much has happened, right? Phase 1. Oh, so much to talk about. Six full games. We're obviously not going to go super in-depth on every single game, but we are going to get all of your thoughts from Phase 1. And, of course, we have Adam, like I said, uh, so let's get into the sponsors before we talk about Adam. That is, of course, Cappy Subs. Order over the phone at 407-647-9099 or online at cappyssubsfl.com. All one word. Adam, how are you and where are they located? Cappy's located at 501 North Orlando Avenue, Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park. And uh, doing all right. Orlando City is still in a playoff position after like more games have been played so you a know. home playoff position i know right like we could we could go to a home playoff game and, and that could be huge depending on the fan allowances whenever that happens right Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'll be that'll be two months from now at least three some amount of you days. think they would open it up a little what bit nights? more do you, th- do you think they'd I open think- it up a little more depending it, it's got to depend on like the science and the spread and, and stuff like that. Right. They, they have to take like recommendations of doctors and shit. I don't yeah, think, come on, I don't think because game. I don't think <laughs> that's a legitimate reason though. I don't think it. Oh yeah. Come on. It's the playoffs. I, I don't, I don't think coronavirus cares about that. So. Absolutely. You're yeah. correct. All right, let's get through the layout real quick. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things before we kind of get into a award esque, um, type discussion where I will ask and we will discuss the awards for uh, a couple of categories about just phase one, not MLS's back tournament, not RSL in Colorado, just phase one. So let's get started. And Taylor, I want to get, because we weren't able to, obviously you're not a full member of this podcast. What was your thoughts on the Miami game? Obviously, everything going on with the fans. Uh, we get the game one on the field, two to one. Obviously, the Rodrigo Schlegel incident. I mean, it was it was a crazy game. A lot of talking points. I want to get your full thoughts on it. Crazy game. I mean, the first thing to say on the Miami game, uh, most recent one, of course. Um, I'm gonna fess up, and I didn't watch it. Um, I was actually in the air at the time of the game, um, flying back from uh, Vancouver. Um, on vacation, um, got engaged to my partner. So, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing breaks. But I was congratulations. in congratulations. Thank you very much. I, I think that's a legitimate excuse. <laughs> There's, uh, yeah, what an excuse to get out of a game, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I was in the air of the game. Um, genuinely was like, couldn't wait to uh, switch on data when I was back on the tarmac at um, Toronto Pearson and saw that we won 2 1. Amazing, you know, like, um, Really wanted revenge for that free two down there in uh, Pompano Beach, Fort Lauderdale. Call it what you want, but um, yeah, amazing. Um, let's talk about the on-field stuff. I know it was a bit of a strange night on the field, off the field. Um, that Perea finish, man. I mean, he's a bad man. What a goal that was! Um, incredible, wasn't it? What a move. Um, 
that was the one that sealed it, of course. Um, yeah, I was just so delighted to beat those guys. I mean, there's been so many polls, hasn't there, last couple of weeks? Like, um, you know, who who do you hate more, Atlanta or Miami? Like, Miami, do I hate them? Um, you know, Atlanta's the team, like, I uh, I can't stand at all. Like, obviously, what happened last Saturday, you know, Miami aren't too... Uh, too favorable either but it was just so good to beat those guys you know all the trash talking's taken place you know since mls is back like hated giving those guys three points down there in fort lauderdale so just so so pleased that the uh the team responded i think we was all well pissed off after the atlanta game so to get back to winning ways um in front of our own fans as well was uh, was fantastic no i i i i know you probably don't want to talk about this but I want to get your thoughts about the off the field antics that went on because it was just mental what they what the Miami fans did. Well, listen, right, it it was one of those nights, wasn't it? Um, so when I was uh, switched my data back on, saw that we won. Obviously, started seeing all the videos surfacing online of the uh, the Miami fans in the way end. Like first and foremost, like don't want this to go into a COVID chat. I think we're all over that, but. Um, First and foremost, I don't think away fans should be at MLS games right now. That's just my opinion. But um, yeah, I don't want to delve too deep into it. But all I want to echo is pretty much what Alex Latow said. Like, um, you know, hashtag justice for Kingston. I mean, you know, he's there to entertain the kids. You know, no employee should have to uh, to put up with that. And um, the best way, you know, to, um, you know, ruin those Miami fans, should I call them, um, night is beating them. So, um I think Latau summed it up in his tweet really well, but um, yeah, the uh, the less said about those um, fans in quotes, um, yeah, the better. I think just happy to uh, to beat them, send them back down the turnpike, gutted. And then we also got our first ever win against Atlanta United, a three-one win on the road. Adam here has said that he would have preferred to win in Exploria rather than at Mercedes-Benz. Do you agree with that? Do you know what? Like, I wanted to beat him. Can I I clarify my statement? (laughs) Adam, go first. I would always love to be in Atlanta. I just would have to be there. That's that's it. Like, because, you know, I've been to about, like, all of the Atlanta games so far, and I I don't know that I would have gone anyway with COVID, but, like, I wish it was, like, under normal circumstances and I could have been there. That's That's all I meant. (laughs) <laughs> no I fully understood I mean if you ask me like listen like I've been itching to beat those guys like for years years and years and years so like we could have beaten them on the moon and I would have been over the moon you know I would have been delighted but um but yeah I totally get what Adam's saying like um we'll come on to it but so pissed that we uh we blew that um at home but that Mercedes-Benz game I mean the five well six five and a bit years into major league soccer now that is arguably the most complete performance orlando city's putting on the road i was there at montreal i've banged that drum like last year james o'connor and one of like our only um three and all that was an incredible performance but i know atlanta are a horror show at the moment but we played those guys off the park and honestly in all the years i've been doing orlando city uk i don't think i've even including MLS's back, which was crazy. You saw me jumping around against LAFC. But I think that win against Atlanta is the smug, most smug, happiest I've ever been after a game. It was just brilliant. And now you did mention something that we you want that you and I talked about off the air wanting to talk about. So let's get into it. And Adam, this 
this could this could include you as well. We're gonna have a decent little conversation about it real quick. Uh, you're saying something about Orlando fans being a little too reactionary. Do you want to kind of explain your thought process on that? <laughs> well, listen, semi rant now because um, I'll be completely honest, hand on heart. There's not one tweet, two tweets. It's just something I've noticed over the last couple of weeks. We're talking and um, recapping um, phase one here. Um, midway through phase one, I've got to admit, like, one all in Nashville, fans were getting way carried away. Oh, we've dropped two points. Like, um, this is horrendous. Um, the Atlanta one, like, forget that Nashville one for a minute. The Atlanta one, I, I get it, right? No one was more pissed than me that we didn't rub those guys' face into the dirt, like, that was the time to kill him. I mean, how many shots did we have? But coming back to your point, I just think there's been so much overreaction in our fan base. Seriously. I mean, we took 11 points from 18 over the six games. Now, look, unbeaten against Atlanta. Yeah, we completely gift-wrapped it from that one-all draw at Exploria. I was gutted, absolutely gutted. I was in Vancouver um, my first couple of hours there, and it you know, didn't ruin my trip. Well, it did for a couple of hours, then I got over it. But yeah, I just think that some of our fan base sometimes, like when we drop points, you know, they get too low. And when we win, we go over the top. I mean, this is my message, really. And like I said, it's not calling anyone out, but it's just my gut feeling. We have never been in this position before. Adam said it at the beginning of the pod. Um, we're not dreaming. We're in a playoff position. More games have taken place. We're, what, fourth in the Eastern Conference? Um 10 qualify from 14. I mean, if we don't make playoffs this season, something's gone horrendously wrong. Um, and you said it, Gavin, um, a couple of weeks back on one of your pods. And you said the players read the tweets. We know they do. You know, they give us a like every now and again. I just want our fan base to not get too high when we win and not too low when we drop points. I was pissed after that Atlanta game. I was so annoying the 1-1 at home. But... You know, players read, let's, let's get behind the guys. You know, we can call out when they're wrong, you know, when there's things fundamentally wrong, when Pereira's subs are too late, whatever. But we're all reactionary as fans, like me included. But I just think the position we're in now, this new era under Pereira, let's, let's you know, not go too over the top after the games. That's my message, I think. So semi-ramp over. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, I, I know I can get that way. I know I can you know, again, be frustrated. But I think us as a fan base, we need to learn how to be a good team because we, we just haven't been a good team these five years. We, we need to learn to take the good, take the bad. You're not going to win every single game, especially in a schedule like this, a schedule that is back to back to back to back to back in two weeks, six games in two weeks. In That's insane. That's yeah. absolutely insane. You're going to have to rotate players. You're going to have to rest players. We're going to get injuries. Joao Moutinho, one of our main attacking threats, out. Nani, injured. You get 1-1 one, one draw on the road. We beat, we, 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 we outclassed Atlanta without Pereira starting or and Nani on the bench. Um, and then, unfortunately, we weren't able to, to do the same with uh, Pereira coming back in and Nani being injured against Nashville. But yeah, we have to learn to be a good team. That you you're gonna have to roll with the punches. I mean, do you Seattle are not a team that are known for having consistently good seasons. They they'll they'll finish third, they'll finish second. They're they're up there, but they are never the top top quality team. Yet they're always in the final. 
Do you think their fans freak out after a loss? Yeah, I mean, no. Maybe. The answer, the answer is maybe. I don't know, but... Uh, I, I, mean, I don't think uh... they do. They can get mad, but... When you... when I understand. When, when you... With the Atlanta game, I understand we should have won that game. But I, I mean, we, it just didn't fall seen, our way. Have you seen Atlanta fans, like, prior to this year when, with the total meltdown? you seen Atlanta fans making the playoffs every year with the fucking MLS Cup in year two complain after a loss? Like, I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit and also channel my inner Daniel, um, which should be good for everyone, right? Uh, <laughs> so Daniel likes to refer to the PTSD of Orlando's five losing seasons that we seem to collectively have as a fan base. And I think that's what's showing up here is that it's a kind of, a, and especially after the, the opening game of phase of, is it phase one or phase two or was phase one term of phase one, phase one. Stupid fucking names. This is the phase one review, man. Phase Come on. one review. Uh, you don't pay me enough to keep it, keep track of that shit. <laughs> Drinking too um, much today. I found one beer. <laughs> but uh, as a what I was saying is, especially after that loss to Miami uh, in the first game of phase one, I, we all felt it. It was like, what if this is here we go again? Orlando does some has a great. Uh, run of form and then just revert back to who we all know they've always been they're gonna suck again i think that's what a lot of fans are scared of every time we see it a suboptimal performance and i can't really blame them for that because it's five years of being absolute trash versus a, a couple months of of oscar preha so we're gonna need to get used to this but i can't really blame fans for being the way they are right now without Really, as you said, get any practice of being a fan of a, a good team, at least Orlando City being good. And I also think that Daniel brought up some good points in the preview and the review of that 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 um, Inter Miami loss. He did say that you know this is their first home game, and that's something I had not even that had not even entered my mind when thinking about this game. I was just like, we have the better players on the pitch. We we've already beaten them. Um, they're a solid team. They they try to win on the margins, but I think we can do it. I don't even think for one second this is their first home game. They've had way more tape on us than we've had on them. And yes, we may be in, in more shape, but they have the probably have the will to win more. They have the chip on their shoulder. We beat them in MLS is back. They still haven't won a game. They're, they're going to want to win a game. That game, you can understand. And looking back in hindsight, you can definitely see why we lost that game. You can blame the tactics, you know, putting Mendez at right mid to start the game was a very questionable decision. Do you honestly think, though, that if Mueller starts there, we we finish that game with a different result? Who, who, knows, who knows? But what I would say in that game, like going back to it, um, I think um, LGP Gonzalez Perez is still spinning around from the game DK gave him. <laughs> it, DK was uh, was superb that night. I mean... It, it wasn't great. I mean, Pizarro hit the post, didn't he, to go 4-1? But credit to the team again. You know, we left it too late, but it was a one-goal game in the end. We did keep fighting. It, it wasn't a great performance. But um, but that's what I mean about this phase one. Like, every time we, you know, weren't so great, you know, we put in a great performance the next game. So um, on a quick turnaround, I think you have to give Perea and the uh, the team a lot of credit. Uh, absolutely, you give them credit for bouncing back from performance like that. But it, like we talked about in the review pod for that game, that game was 
was shades of Orlando City 2015 to 2019. It was, we got beat all around the pitch, left it too late, had like one or two good moments, but otherwise it was just the other team wanting it more, being more sound tactically and, and being on, on that night, at least having the better performances from their players. And it, it was, it was something that every Orlando city fan has seen and never wanted to see it again. And yeah. right after having our hearts ripped out in that final to Portland, it was just, yeah, I think yeah. it was two pretty sizable blows to our psyche back to back. And also like it was almost, it was, I don't want to, I don't want to use the words lack of effort, but I can't think of better words. It was, I don't think a total lack of effort just as not wanting it enough as, as much as the other team. And that hurts to watch as a fan base. You'd never want to watch that. So yeah. th- I think that's why that loss was particularly gut wrenching. And I remember I said that Pereja needed to turn around the next game and he did. So it's forgiven. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we recap in Miami as well. Um, before we're done with this segment, um, Breck Shea, did he signal to the wall on Saturday? I mean, fuck that guy. Did he, did he put the L to his head? What did he do? I'm not sure. I'd have to watch it again. Yeah. I didn't see it. He, it looks like he just points. Yeah. I, he might've done the L, but I haven't, I feel like if he did the L, we would have heard that on Twitter. Uh, so I don't know, but it, it was kind of funny to me how it went from no, no booing Breck Shea. And, and just a quick story here, Daniel and I, when we went to the Montreal, uh, preseason game, Dan- Daniel and I went to a preseason game together. Um, we stopped in at one of the, the, uh, restaurants just outside of Exploria Stadia on, um, not church street, but the one just, uh, south of it i think i don't know um near where the the amway the amway center is uh and geico garage that's what i'm thinking of geico garage um there's restaurants a little bit over there and anyways we were talking to a couple fans in there and they were talking about how much they wished breck shea was still on the team and they thought he was a legend and now what a great player he is and they miss him so much and that's exactly what i thought of when you know i saw him playing and I, I found it funny, you know, that people saw him like that. And then he scores and the stadium is booing at him. And it's it's just so funny. I don't know if that's a, a collective thought around the fan base that he's kind of a legendary uh, or he had legendary status with us. But I mean, <laughs> that that was that was a, a sight to see the or a sight to hear. Ball, right. If it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. But um. It was, it was funny to hear uh, all the fans booing him as soon as he scored that goal and kind of, you know, made fun, or made fun of the fans. Thank God we replied. That's all I'm going to say. Thank God we replied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Hey, he almost got that second one, too. It could have been bad. He's, he scored against us at Exploria for um, the Whitecaps as well. Like, seriously. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um... All right, I just to go full circle, I I have to agree with your point, Taylor, about the fans being too reactionary. I know it's so annoying that it's a marathon, not a sprint, but even if you think about the Nashville game, the 1-1 draw, I remember kind of saying in it, it's a nothing game. You know, just just move on because those kinds of games happen. You know, the the Atlanta game, frustrating, yes. Move on, turn around, beat Miami 2-1, get the next 3 points. 
Yeah. Just just go on. We go against Chicago now, uh, which we'll talk about later. Let's get those three points. Let's yeah, do I'm, it. Move I'm, on. I'm, Who cares about those last yeah. two disappointing results? I mean, listen, I'm not here to tell anyone how to react after the full-time whistle. Like I said, we're all reactionary. We're football fans. You know, we're soccer fans. It happens. But, um, but yeah, with this schedule and with the, uh, the phase two, we're going to call it coming up. You know, there's always another game three days around the corner. So um, 11 points from 18, um, undefeated against Atlanta. I think we would have all taken that, right? Yep. Now, uh, Adam, tell me some tactical trends you saw in, in overall in phase one. I think we're because we saw a lot more rotation, we saw some some changes up in tactics, which is good. But you shouldn't try to run the same tactics with with different players because that's just by definition not gonna work. You can't just plug in a guy unless you have clones of each other and just have it run the exactly the same. So what I saw was us being a lot more multiple. And uh, I think it was mentioned on the, the broadcast of the Miami game that we played a 3-5-2, a 4-4-2, a 4-4-3, and a 4-2-3-1 at different points, like in the same game and, and in different games. And it's really good to have that flexibility in your squad to be able to match up with different teams, especially when you're rotating, especially when these games are coming sometimes twice a week. I mean, it was pretty much twice, two games a week this uh, this entire phase one so i i thought that was really interesting just that we didn't see i don't think we saw a lot of whole cohesive trends other than um preha's always going to try to press for some of the game he's always going to try to keep um protagonistic uh, uh possession um meaningful possession try to have more of the ball generally um but it was just very interesting to see particularly when moutinho went down how we shifted to kind of almost like a three-five-two in attack with uh, with either Miller or Smith, whoever is playing on the left, staying back, and Huan getting forward on that right side and trying to kind of use him as an outlet. Um, so that's more what I saw. Uh, other than that, we didn't. Oh, and you know, having DK was a big one that slipped my mind for some reason. Uh, wow. Playing a little. I know, right? I, I can't believe I almost forgot about that. Playing a hold up, his hold up game is good. Uh, it, it more might, than good. It yep. might already be one of the best in MLS for and for such a young player, that's astounding. But I, Matt Doyle used the term gravity. He has huge gravity as a player. He draws defenders to him, and he it's almost like he has an eye in the back of his head, and he he just knows where to play that little simple outlet. He doesn't have to be a great passer. He just has an awareness of where players are around him, and he can play a simple ground pass, and that unlocks the defense because he's got, as soon as he turns his back and receives the ball, he's got two or three guys on him. And that leaves that leaves Benji or or Mueller or Nani or Pereira open somewhere else, or, or so Mendez making a run. Yeah, if I um, can find the time, I, I've been thinking of making a DK Phase 1 compilation because... Yeah. He gets the ball, the, the amount of chances he's created, and it might not show up on the stat sheet, but, you know, the through ball to Mendez, the through ball over the top to Benji uh, in the Atlanta game. He's had good moments in the Nashville game. Just overall, I, like I said in a previous podcast, the perfect player for Oscar Pereja, somebody who can come deep, hey, hold the that, ball up, pass it on. That's a very good point. I think this was all... Obviously, DK wasn't always the plan. We needed someone to break out here. But I think Pereja always wanted this kind of striker. I mean, maybe he's not going to 
go and craft Daryl DK from a piece of marble, like some whatever entity you believe in apparently did. But <laughs> but I think he always wanted a striker that can play with the ball at his feet, that can find someone on the outlet, that can play hold up, and that can also turn around and score. I th- I, I don't think he needs a striker to be. And Benji Michelle is is potentially an absolutely great player. I don't think he needs a striker to be super fast and quick like Michelle and have that lightning pace and and always be like the go run and chase and finish. I think he wants the striker to be a little more involved in build up and have that gravity to open up other players for, for like Pereira to go and have space or Nani to go and have space, uh, which is a much more effective outlet for the offense or Chris Mueller to go and have space. So I think that's we're kind of starting to see. I wish we I wish and we got to see it briefly, but I wish Moutinho wasn't injured because then we would have the full complement of what Preha's vision is Definitely. with those two attacking fullbacks. And what I love about Moutinho and Juan is that Pereja will pick a side to attack on and he'll send one of them forward. When you just have Juan and you're playing that kind of three five two and Nani is essentially playing a wing back at that point a very advanced wing back but essentially a wing back and and so you kind of always know oh if i cover juan cal smith's not gonna do much on the other side or kamal miller's not gonna do much on the other side if you have mutino there then you're you become much more multiple in within the same personnel and technically the same formation and you can switch that point of attack more easily so i want to see a combination of dk holding up of Pereira and Nani being creative more centrally of attacking on either side and those quick switches from Juan to Moutinho. I want and, and that purposeful possession building out of the back uh, all the way from Janssen to, to whoever's in the midfield to Pereira to the up top. I want to see a combination of all those tactics because I think that team will be extremely hard to stop and will be a threat in the playoffs. Yeah, and on your point about Benji not necessarily being the right striker for um, Oscar Pereja, why not just have them both? Like we saw in this in this um, phase one, you you have DK playing the balls over the top for Benji to run through on the right right hand wide side, oh, you're making those wide runs, and that's what we saw. And so yeah. I just don't love Benji at winger. So if, I think if you do play I, both, you have you to play either three five two or four four two, in my opinion. I think Wait. I think what what we saw with Benji making the runs through, uh, and DK finding him with those those uh, that hold up play. I think that's what you have to do when you have them both on the pitch. But I I just think DK, you can see that DK is the right player for Oscar Pereja, just by the fact that he started DK all six games. He had Tesho come back from injury and was available on the bench at least maybe uh he still wasn't fully fit but dk starts all six games and i I think that shows you know just how important he is yeah it's extremely important yeah i mean listen um star of um phase one there's a few candidates for um, orlando city but daryl dk bursting onto the scene i mean it's a um a trick we've had up our sleeve i mean remember before that miami game where he gets his first mls goal like I can't remember who it was. You'll have to remind me in the bubble, but yeah, I think he only came on one or once or twice. And he came on like a bull in a China shop and we was like, whoa, this guy's like a unit first and foremost. Like <laughs> we're going to have to kind of rein in how he plays. You know, you could see him picking up a lot of yellow cards, throwing his weight around. But 
it's what a bonus Daryl DK has been with uh, Dwyer injured. Um, <laughs> we're waiting for what seems like an eternity for uh, Matthias Aiste to come in. But um, directly involved in four goals, so that's um, three goals, one assist in his first five MLS starts with Orlando. Daryl DK before the Inter Miami game, those stats. I mean, what a bonus that's been in this run. Yeah, and I mean, MLS Player of the Month. That is insane. Uh, Taylor, 11 points out of 18 possible available. If given that opportunity at the beginning of Phase 1, would you have taken that? All day long. All day long. I mean, we dropped one game, didn't we, out of the six in um, Fort Lauderdale. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, To go unbeaten in five of six with um, games every three days. Coming off a disappointment, huge disappointment in the MLS's back final um, all day long. I think the team's shown um, great mental strength. Adam? Oh, sorry. I was um, I was watching some highlights trying to look for my goal of the, the tournament. You're going to have to ask the question again. <laughs> um, 11 points out of 18 available. Would you have taken that if given at the start of phase one? And pay attention I don't know. next time. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, you're going for... I mean, I. you're kind of going for two points a game. And and we it was a little less than that. It's not bad. I, I think it's adequate is what I would call it, given the new expectations. But I think we could have had a better run of form. We definitely could have turned one of those draws into a win and gotten two more points. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's I, where I, I lean. I think we definitely dropped points here rather than playing, I, than getting all the points that we, I don't want to use the word deserved because, you know, you deserve what you get on the, on the scoreline unless, like, yeah. you get absolutely screwed by the rest. That didn't really happen. And, and so I think there was more there for the taking. Yeah. If you told me, given our run of form through the tournament, if you told me these guys are going to have a under two a game going forward, I would be a little disappointed, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you made, you made a good point about them. I think, um, I think one of the themes that was emerging throughout that six games was, um, you know, like there's been so many positives, but you know, let's let's call out the negatives as well. Um, Nashville away, um, into Miami away. Um, into Miami in the bubble as well. Um, but under Perea's tenure so far, you know, if we're going to be critical, that first five, ten minutes after the second half, we've seen Orlando concede in that in that time in a few games now. Um, you were just talking about kind of, is 11's adequate given the expectations? Nashville, we completely hit a wall in terms of, um, I mean, that game was so slow. Um, Miami, again, came out, slovenly in the first half really slow in the second half but yeah like drawing a theme from the six games yeah the atlanta one we should win one we had about 100 shots nashville we kind of game of two halves bossed it first half second half it was all nashville um threw those away um given the new expectations you're right we should have we should be expecting to get over the line in those games now but um but yeah i'm just a little concerned over um the team being alert after the second half. There's three games in the sample so far where we've conceded right after the break, which is a little worrying, but um, but yeah, so be it. All right. Um, let's get into our little award as phase here. 
I want to hear your disappointment of phase one. Uh, Taylor, you'll get to go first. And the next time Adam will flip it to you to go first. Uh, Again, could be a player, could be a moment. What was the disappointment of phase one? Well, listen, I mean, the obvious one, uh, I'll say two. I mean, the obvious one is dropping the uh, the three points to Atlanta. I mean, you know, um, we've spoke about that. Um, It's not my style really to go in and on the players. I think um, we are a team, you know, we win as a team, we lose as a team. But Mm -hmm. Kamal Miller really wasted his opportunity with uh, Moutinho um, out. Um, Like Adam's already alluded to, um, Juan and uh, Moutinho are so crucial to the way um, Pereira wants to play. Kamal Miller obviously got his chance. We've seen O'Connor play him at left-back. He's played at left-back for the Canadian national team. But we know he's not going to give you what Moutinho gives you going forward. Fair enough. But, you know, he was rusty, wasn't he? Um, If you're just talking about a guy, you know, a depth guy taking his opportunity, he he didn't really. um, Like I said, nothing against Kamal. Um, You know, it's hard for depth players to step in and be amazing straight away. But, yeah, I don't really like calling out players, but I think he would be disappointed with the uh, the opportunities he got. All right, Adam. I think my biggest disappointment is actually Mario Rossell. Um he seems to have lost his spot as that locked in got to got to play a midfielder. Um and he, he just, played every game but one. It, like started. He yes, but he I think Mendez has been the best midfielder. Mm-hmm. In, I'll agree with that in the in phase one, and I just don't think that we saw Rosell. I think he's losing that spot through his play. Not that he over. I, I get that I said loss past tense. He is actively losing that spot. Not that he's played horrible or anything, but he wasn't that boss of the midfield. Everything goes through him playing out the back, press beater. Um, Barca Tiki Taka facilitator. He wasn't that. Uh, and, and we did see less of that play style than we saw in the tournament. And, and we'd grown accustomed to it. I, I think it's it's going to much more of a dynamic style of play running the midfield through Mendez, who is kind of beating Uri out at the moment. And it's going to be, we're going to have, I think Mendez is going to be that midfield anchor going forward. And uh, it's gonna be Urian Urso fighting for a spot in the lineup. Uh, do you think is what I think we're gonna see? Do you think part of Yuri not being as impactful in Phase One is just the quality of opponent? You know, we faced you know progressively going into the tournament. You're gonna play the best teams. LAFC. We play Minnesota, who was very good, and and then we play um, Portland. Uh, Portland in the final, and then of course. Uh, NYCFC, who are attacking team, they do press a little bit, and then Philadelphia, who are absolutely doing fantastic in Phase One. Um, you know, we played very good teams in the tournament. Do you think part of it is just the quality of opponent uh, kind of doesn't suit his play that. style? It might be that, but then you want you'll want a guy who can you know step on the throat and. Mm-hmm. And and finish the job against the the weaker teams. You know, weaker teams. We didn't beat half of them. Um, the but yeah, I think it's disappointing that if he's only going to get up for competition, then then yeah, it's it's fair to call him a disappointment, and he's going to lose a spot to someone who's going to play every game. I don't think that's it. I, I what I would surmise is that. 
and I think we saw this play out, teams didn't press us as much because there was a bunch of tape of Orlando beating the press in the tournament. So, you know, these guys are professional coaches who watch tape and, and get paid to do this and said, well, this team pressed Orlando and they got their asses kicked. I guess I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, yep. it's at a certain level, it's not that hard. And so I think because there wasn't really a press for area to play out of much of the time, he was looking for other stuff to do. And then if, if, if the defenders aren't coming at you and cause there's always got to be movement to create openings in the game. It's a very free throwing game flowing game. If the defenders are dropping back and being more static, where Uri is, is uh, most comfortable and is, uh... y'all watch Avatar The Last Airbender? Seen it. Haven't really watched it a ton. Okay. So the principle of airbending, and I'm going to go super nerd on us right here. Principle of airbending is using, and also multiple styles of actual martial arts, uh, is using your opponent's momentum against them. And if you watch... Uh, a lot of Aang's fights in like close quarters, what he'll do is he'll basically spin around in the same spot and let people come at, come at them and he'll lightly like just shift their movement and weight a certain way and they'll go flying. That's what Uri does on the soccer field. And I wish that you could have seen my hand uh, gestures as I was explaining that. <laughs> he uh, He's a pretty static player and he'll get the ball to his feet. He'll make a turn and he'll, or he'll have one touch and then he'll, he'll send the ball almost counter to the movement of the other team. That's why he's so good at beating the press when there's no press for him to beat. And when the other team is dropping back and being fairly static in their movement, then he has to create the movement, which is not his strength. That's the strength of guys like Urso and Mendez. And I, I think because of his, his lack of uh, dynamic ability, then if teams aren't going to press us, then there are other better options in the midfield going forward. I think that's fair. Uh, my disappointment of the of phase one, almost said of the tournament, uh, is going to be Joao Matinho getting injured. It's a very disappointing uh, moment. Did he really need to do what he did against Atlanta to, yeah. to pull his groin? It was frustrating. It was disappointing. And, Hopefully he's back soon. I know Oscar said that it, it's going to be a couple of weeks before he can get training again, but it looks better than first feared. I mean, I it's not the same injuries he struggled with last season. So I think the people calling him out saying he's so injury prone, the there were some rumblings going on in the background. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of announce this here that the the team were the uh, fitness team were confident that they had gotten him back to a level where he would not get the same injuries that he struggled with last season and they were being very careful with him uh, as he was recovering from those injuries and you kind of saw that I mean he started what every game this season until he got injured pretty much and the the pull the pulled groin injury isn't anything he struggled with last season it was more just over overplay. And maybe we should have been more careful with him given a, a game off. But when you're that integral to a team, to an attack, it's very hard. So the disappointing thing of phase one for me was uh, the fact that Joao Moutinho wasn't able to uh, to stay fit. Yeah. Um, oh, did, did you have something to say on that? No, I think that's a great point. Um, yeah, he's so crucial to the way we play. So, yeah, did he have to make that clearance? Yeah. Um, hindsight, probably not. But, yeah, we move on. Yeah. Uh, Adam, your turn to go first. Underrated player of phase one. 
Can I just answer Mendez for everything? <laughs> um, from you, no, because you do not underrate him. Yeah, I know. Uh, underrated. <sighs> you know, I feel like we get so high on our own players that it's like, why do we even bother with the word underrated? <laughs> I think I'm going to go Juan. And just because he didn't have any spectacular moments, I think, in uh, in phase one. But I think he's doing the little things right on a more consistent basis now. Good answer. Um, just because he he's not trying to be Superman as much anymore. He's more uh, smart in his defensive positioning. He's not he's not going all the way up all the way to, all the time, especially because he understands that they're not going to be shifting the the. Uh, the back line as much as they used to, and especially with the rotation, that back line uh, with uh, Janssen, Schlegel, and Carlos all uh, seemingly rotating now due, due to injuries and, and whatever, what have you, uh, and the, those communication issues. He knows that he has more defensive responsibilities, and, and also, you know, uh, with uh, his usual counterpart, Moutinho, not there, it's just he knows that he has to be a rock at, at times and he's held up on the defensive end for the most part. And he's starting to pick his head up on crosses, which is great. That's a little thing that he's needed to do. That's going to make him a much more effective player. He's, uh, I really like watching him and Mueller and those interchange plays that they do. He's uh, beginning to invert a little more, which I like. I love when a fullback can invert. Uh, Moutinho is really good at it. Juan, not so much, but he's starting to try that. So I think he's starting to do the little things that are going to make him a complete player. And uh, a if he stays with Orlando, probably three or four years uh, fighting for MLS best 11. That's interesting because I, I think you bring up good points there. But for me, if I were to pick a disappointing player, it probably would have been Juan based on his play of MLS's back tournament. Um, and I think it's it's a solid point that he's not trying to be Superman. He's not trying to, to 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 run past everybody every chance he gets. And also his crossing is still so frustrating. I know he's picking up his head, but he gets into some amazing, amazing positions behind defenses uh, on the touchline, you know, entering the six yard box almost sometimes. And he still can't can't find that man in the box or, you know, it gets cut out and he holds on to it a second too long. It's just. It's just so frustrating. I think um, we're seeing growing pains on that a little yes. bit because because he's starting to cross with a little different style and a little more patience. He's kind of being overly patient at times uh, instead of, you know, just getting into a position and hitting it like he used to. And so we're seeing a little bit of growing pains with that style, but I think it's going to pay dividends. And, you know, when you gain a new skill, you're like, oh, I can do this now. And then you try it again and you're like, oh, I fucked that up. <laughs> yeah yes, yeah yes, I, yes. that's what we're seeing i i also i also do think that juan is a very underrated player on defense he's got some good stand-up tackling his, posi his positioning is fine he obviously rarely loses a foot race and he tracks back a lot i mean he's not just this offensive wing back that i think a lot of people think he is so i i'm i'm, I'm fine with your pick there as, as underrated uh for the most part uh Taylor, your turn. Who is your underrated player of phase one? Do you know what? Tricky question. I've, I've been mulling it over since Adam gave his response there. Um, yeah, tricky one, underrated, because we get high on our players a lot. But here's my answer to it, and it's 
kind of slanted from your question, and I'm going to say underrated from the outside. We know all about this guy and where his game's gone. Um, I'm going to say Chris Mueller for mm. underrated, and the reason being is this. Um, yeah, this is the bit I want to talk about Mueller with. Um, we know, you know, he's been with the club a while now. Um, you know, we've got way used to him, you know, dribbling too much, you know, trying to be the Florida Ronaldo, take on everyone and lose it, you know, or take some, you know, rebass shots. Um, genuinely, that guy, I mean, I, you know how high we are on him. You know, he stops for you know, every photo after the game, you know, like he's just a great, genuine guy, isn't he? Loves being in Orlando, you know. He's given me his game-worn jersey. Given, I held up a sign, he gave yeah, it to me. Exactly. You know, he's a man of the people, so we give him a free pass, don't we, so many times. But honestly, underrated from the outside looking in. I mean, we call for U.S. men's national team recognition, don't we, from time to time. But is he ready right now? That's another question. Probably not. He needs to, you know, do it over the course of this whole season. But underrated because that guy's decision making has seriously improved so much i mean how tedious was the um the dilemmas and the polls about you know is he better off starting or being an impact sub i mean Pereira trust this guy now um i can't remember who the atlanta outside back was whether it was anton walks or franco escobar but in the one escobar. Or escobar he had him on toast we say in england you know he had the beating of him all day long. How we didn't win that game, I don't know. But um, but Chris Mueller's decision-making, whereas he used to dribble and dribble and dribble and lose it, and we were like, play it, play it, play it through. He's now picking his passes. You know, just look at the last goal we scored, the Perea one, that bad finish. I mean, released that absolutely perfectly at the right time. He looks so much more dangerous. Um, even in that bad game at Nashville, the 1-1, um, I think he came on that night, so back in his impact sub role, but he just looks deadly. Um, it started in the bubble. Um, he's not the finished article. He'll admit that. But um, his game, especially his decision-making and when to release the ball is something that maybe not all Orlando fans realise, but I think it's underrated the improvement he's made in this 11. I think it was a tricky question, but I think I think that's my answer on that one. So I feel like you just haven't been listening to the podcast. I think you've been lying because uh, <laughs> surely you've heard me kind of talk about his decision-making. And I will say, I will say real quickly, first of all, I think decision-making is everything in soccer. Decision-making on which players to buy, which players to sell, when to sell, when to buy, when to play a pass on the field. Decision-making is everything in soccer to me. That's just the way I see the game. I think his decision-making has improved. I will agree with that in Almost every single area of the pitch, he's making the right movements, the right tackles, the right passes, the the just everything, just everything. And then when he gets into the final third, the only time for me, Taylor, when he makes the right decision is when he doesn't have to think about it. So the the the, the pass that you brought up, he doesn't really have time to think about it. Nani plays the ball in, it gets deflected, it falls to him. He's got two, he's smushed in between two people, sees a perfect lane for Pereira, and I mean honestly. Yeah. Not to play it down, but I could have I could have made that decision personally. <laughs> it's a there's a open lane. It's right there. He he he. I probably couldn't have made the pass. Okay, falling over. <laughs> okay, <laughs> falling over. Beautiful pass. I probably couldn't have made the pass. But what other decision are you making, right? I think yeah. he doesn't think about it. He just does it. If he has time to think, you see him take those extra two touches, and he is starting to make his decisions quicker. But I don't think he's fully improved and maybe that's going back to adam's point on growing pains with juan 
he's getting there. You can see he is improving. Mm. And the fact that we can see that is already a testament to, to Pereja's ability to, to uh, really make a player improve because how often have we seen a player improve in front of our eyes in Orlando city? Has it ever happened? Maybe, maybe Juan, maybe Juan, but that also could have been just uh, growing into the league, you know, coming from Brazil. Um, what is that? What is that word? When you get acclimated into the new country, maybe that was just it. I've never seen a player in Orlando city improve his game before our eyes. Yeah. I think he, I think he's on the right path. Um, it's funny you mentioned that actually, because when you spoke about he's better when he doesn't have too much time to think about it. I mean, I know you're an Arsenal fan. How many years were we saying that about Theo Walcott? Same position off the right wing, you know. Mm-hmm. When he's doing stuff quick, it's instinctive, you know. He makes the right pass, you know, makes the right decision. I think you can draw some parallels there. Um, Mueller's better when he doesn't have too long to think about it. But, um, but yeah, he's definitely trending in the right direction. Um, as I said, you know, he has to kind of continue... Um, getting assists, chipping in with goals for the uh, the rest of 2020 to be in with a shout of the uh, the US men's national team. I mean, we know it's a huge player pool, isn't it, under um, Greg Berhalter. So um, we had one game, didn't we, on the, uh, the national broadcast against Atlanta at home. Um, he played well in that. You know, we should have killed those guys. But, um, but yeah, I think um, he's not just uh, a member of Orlando's um, team. I think a few more uh, soccer fans around the league kind of know who he is. So he'll, uh, he'll want that to continue. Mm-hmm. My underrated player of phase one is Andres Perea. Uh, coming off the bench has been fantastic. He started the Atlanta win, um, was very solid in that game. And just overall, he's a very reliable player off the bench. And I, th- I think he is underrated from our fans and from obviously outside, but but from our fans. Because he comes in, he's tidy on the ball, and I, could, I I think I could count four games that either me or someone else gave him lying up. And it's just like, because it's so surprising that a kid's so young, and, and you know, you mm. think of him as a fringe player almost, because he doesn't impact the game a ton. Comes on, ball into feet, moves it on, right decision, you know, very simple, can make a couple tackles, runs around, works hard. Getting that off the bench... Perfect. That's yeah. perfect. I, I, I think don't... I think that's a great shout, Gavin. Um, I mean, the guy's so young, isn't he? Like a box to box player. I mean, we we saw it. Um, I know this is Phase One review, but we saw his um, passing ability, didn't we? Um, assisting Chris Mueller in um, Colorado, the mm-hmm. uh, the second game. I mean, so much so that you rate this guy. That I, I see you were saying, you know, we could sell Sabres Mendes end of this season, and I know he's only on loan, but there's a ready-made replacement there, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, please, please don't encourage him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's from Tampa as well. From Tampa, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think he he is probably number one on my list of underrated across this fan base just because he comes in, does a job, and never does it poorly. Yeah, we've not seen a great deal of him as well, which is a positive thing. Like I said, we have a lot of depth in that um, central midfield area, so I think we'll be seeing a lot more of him um, going forward. All right, Taylor, your turn again to start. Surprise player or moment of Phase 1? Oh, surprise moment. Um, hmm. Or player. Yeah, hard not to recap on something we've spoke about, but um, yeah, I'm going to say this. The... Rodolfo Pizarro hitting the post to go 4-1 um, potentially at um, Fort Lauderdale. I mean, 
in that moment, we spoke, I'm not going to dig it all up, but Orlando City PTSD at its finest. I was watching that game in sheer horror, like, have the club forgot everything in a week or however long it was? I mean, that would have been embarrassing, right? I mean, we've trended in the right direction since that moment, but um, but yeah, um, yeah, I was shocked at that moment. Um, yeah, they were falling apart in front of our eyes. Um, that's why it was great that we rallied, kind of um, got hold of the game. Miami retreated, um, and we pegged it back to a one-goal game. But but yeah, I was just watching that game in that moment, like damn, like if we forgot everything. So that's probably my moment if I could pick one off the top of my head. And you know what? That could be seen as a good thing. How how many times? I feel like normally, if we were to say surprise of a of a first half of a season, we would say, "Oh, the three nil win away from home against Montreal. That performance was amazing." You know, something positive. Yeah. You pick something negative, which means you see us as a better team than what we showed, Absolutely. and that just shows our improvement. Absolutely. Like I say, it's um. It's difficult picking these off the top of your head, and it's a good thing because the team has ultimately improved. You know that, that's undoubted. But um, but yeah, um, thank God we kind of we you know we lost to a rival. Um, hated giving them those uh, three points. But um, but yeah, you know what could have been potentially four one ended up as three two. So um, a one goal game, and really under Pereira's tenure so far, we've not been uh, we've not been thrashed in any game really, have we? So yeah, positive. Adam, surprise of phase one. Uh, surprise of phase one. I would have to go with Antonio Carlos. Uh, I know when he came from Palmeiras, Palmeiras, however you say that club, um, th- their fans said that he was he had, he was talented, but he was kind of up and down and not really consistent. And we've seen him have some lapses, I think. But uh, as he's gotten playing time and grown into the squad and, and gotten chemistry with the squad, which is still a bit of an issue on the back line, but just him individually. I think he's been a very welcome surprise in that a high profile center back signing actually worked out for us. So let's review our history here. We oh, got no, no, no. Early and Colin was old. Uh-huh. Uh, Seb Hines was not great. Headmaster Hines. Headmaster Hines. Um, he, when when your your center back's best quality is offensive, <laughs> David Mateos, David Mateos. Oh man, just that name, <laughs> Jose Aha. Uh, Jonathan Spector was continuously injured. Um, Lamine Sane was like okay, but cost a ton of money. It's the first one that's worked out, y'all. <laughs> we got we got Janssen for peanuts. He doesn't count. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. It, like you can't tell me that that we finally got like a center back signing it seems to be working out. Isn't a surprise. That's a shock. Adam, I cannot tell you how triggered I am with all the names you just brought up. I know, right? Yeah, coming back full force right there. Mm. And so, um. Antonio Carlos, cheers to you, brother. That's a great shout. Um, Good job. Antonio Carlos, insanely consistent, in my opinion. And yeah. his again, he, I, I was he I think he has the best one-on-one ability on the team. If you give him one-on-one, you gotta shut this guy down. I think it's Carlos. I 
Yes, straight up one on one. Yes, but one thing I do think he struggles with as a player is when was pl- when players dribble at him. When he's getting dribbled at, so like, uh, one thing it was the uh, Colorado game, was it? He was getting dribbled at and he looked kind of iffy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that it, was, it was like really early season. He had a he had a bad game and then he had a bad game against Miami. Yeah, yeah. So that's my one issue with him. Everything else, I think he's been top class. I think he is a must sign. And again, Palmeiras have uh dropped his fee i know money is probably tight for us but we we gotta get that over the line because i think he's the best center back at the club we talked about on the last episode um daniel kind of echoed the same thought i think he is the better of the two center backs which is crazy to think about and i mean um we talk in soccer at large don't we about um players needing time to adapt to a new league. We've not really said that about Carlos, have we? Um, I was at the, um, well, seems like a different year, but I was at the opener against RSL, the nil-nil. I mean, not a great game, but I mean, even on his debut there with Janssen striking up a new partnership, they look solid and he's he's been steady throughout. So um, big shout to uh, Ricardo Moreira and the uh, the scouting for, uh, for getting him in. I mean, we have to get him on a permanent. Uh, should I go with the easy one or should I go with a, uh, a surprise one considering it's a surprise? Uh, no Daryl DK is allowed because neither of us took him. Fine, fine, fine. Cause that was the obvious one. Uh, surprise of phase one to me, and this might sound stupid, but Robbie Robinson, not getting a red card on the, the kick out at, uh, Galece. <laughs> because we've seen red cards. Oh, that's a good one. We've <laughs> I'm sorry, I know complaining about the refs is stupid, but I just think it's a point to bring up. Refs give red cards for unnecessary, aggressive things, right? And I can maybe see the argument, or I would have been able to see the argument, he got shoved, Galese didn't have full possession of the ball. Galese has full possession of the ball, though. He does get shoved, but you see him leave his leg and put it in Galese's direction. It makes contact with Galese. How does VAR not look at that and give a red? Dom Dwyer gets a red for elbowing a player in the head last year against Columbus late on in the game. Um, Kaká gets a red for rubbing uh, Aurelian Collins' bald-ass head. Um, So many countless, maybe soft reds you can call them. You can kind of understand why, but soft? Anything to do with the head. MLS is, is on top of it. Okay? This player kicks out at our goalkeeper on the ground who has full possession of the ball. No red card. I think that that is wrong. And you can kind of also go back to the final. Uh, Pereira gets elbowed oh in the head God. from Diogo Chara. Diego Chara. After uh, that one, a that, second. I think that one's worse. That was disgusting, that one. That one is absolutely worse. The ball's gone for a second. He gets elbowed in the head. And this might sound really conspiracy theory here. But I, I'm not trying to be. I think Orlando's history as a kind of joke of the league club mm. enters into the subconscious of referees. Yeah. I think and, Jara got away with the one he did simply because of the time it happened in the match early on, which that's not right. You know, if it's a red card offense, you can be sent off whenever. But I think the time helped him on that one. But Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. But also, Orlando City have been the joke 
of the league. You're, you, we came in, we were supposed to be big, bad, you know, won a couple of USLs, have always been good in, in that league. Come up, and again, we've just, we failed. 2015-2019 failures. Um, horrible seasons, coaches getting fired, blah, blah, blah. We, we all know it. But refs get, get um, that impacts refs' decision-making. It does. It they don't they will never say it. They 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 probably might not even know it. But refs look at different teams in different lights, different players in different lights. Nani gets more fouls called than than other players because he's Nani. It's just a fact. Yeah. You know. And you know, maybe maybe Kyle Smith doesn't get a foul because he's Kyle Smith. It we are the joke of the league and we will not get those calls until we earn respect, in my opinion. And I know it sounds conspiracy theory. It, it sounds dumb, but in my opinion, it, it's it's true. And we need to earn the respect to be able to earn those calls. That's a red card for me all day long. Yeah, you see discrepancies in the uh, the referee. And, um, you know, um, if it's a star in MLS, if it's a well-known player, he can get away with more. I think you've summed it up well. It's, it, it's a fact. We've seen it happen too many times to doubt it. You know, I think you make a good point. I don't think it's just pro being pro either. Um, let's move on though. Uh, whose turn is it? Is it Adams? I think it's Adams. Uh, goal of phase one. Okay. So there are a few options here. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go with the one. There are two that I think are absolutely ridiculous. I think there are four good options, but there are two that are absolutely ridiculous. I think I'm going to take Chris Mueller scoring a fucking header from his knees. <laughs> I forgot about that goal. I still don't know. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> and it was a nice sequence, too. Um, I know Moutinho put in the cross, but there was a nice switch of play out to Moutinho from like the edge of the box centrally. I forget who switched out to him. But it it's like Pereira. a switch out from Pereira. Yep. So Pereira gives it, it out to Moutinho. One touch over with his left foot. Yeah. So and then so Moutinho gets it. He beats a few Atlanta defenders to get into the box, puts a blistering cross across goal. Chris Mueller, who is on the ground, has somehow has the awareness to pick his head up, find the ball coming at him. The ball's in midair when he realizes it's coming at him, is gets on his knees and gets enough on the header to redirect it into the goal. I mean, come on, man. That's I- that's a special goal, in my opinion. It is. It is. It's a good play. I think you saying that Joao Moutinho beat a couple defenders is putting it nicely. He absolutely rinsed them. Oh, he did. Yeah. That was the next nice, Mukhtar game, though, right? The yep. 3-1. Mukhtar yeah, that was 3-1 over, over Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. No, that was the oh. 3-1 over Oh, no, uh, Nashville. Nashville. Nashville, not yeah. Atlanta. I think so. Yeah, very, yeah, I, very I good got pick. One, I, I got three ones mixed up. Yeah. And then the uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, there's one more that I thought was absolutely ridiculous, and we'll see if someone someone picks it up. I think I know which one it is, so I might yeah. pick it up. Uh, Taylor, go ahead. Yeah, like, like Adam, it's a dilemma of two. Um, yeah, there's 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 four definitely. Um, but I'm going to go for this one just because it was that game. I'm going to go for that move that um, Chris Mueller tapped in at Mercedes-Benz Stadium um, to go two nil up. Um, Saw the uh, the sound of music memes on uh, Twitter. That was just a wonderful move on the uh, the plastic pitch, wasn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Was it was it DK who started it? Benji to square it, Mueller to tap in, right? 
If yeah, I DK, DK turns, right. plays it through to Benji, who who makes a good run, and and Benji great or Benji DK great hold up play, plays it into Benji. Benji has the right, makes the right decision, doesn't take it himself, and Mueller has an easy tap in. I I just remember the emotions of that moment. I mean, you know how much we all hate Atlanta United after what seemed like. 20 minutes appealing that clearly good goal from Urso, um, the header to put us 1-0 up. Um, it was like just that feeling to be 1-0 up on those guys, you know, even though they're a horror show, was like, yes, this is amazing. This is different. This is something I've not seen before. To go 2-0 and to pass them off the pitch with that move, like, I remember it like it was yesterday. That was an incredible moment. And um, it was Cash's birthday as well on that day as well. So he was uh, he was super pumped. But that was just an amazing goal. Um and that goal showed how far we've come as a club, I think. Um, superb move that we wouldn't have been able to put together, I think, too many, too often in the years before. You know what's really funny is uh, Cleon uh, added Chris Mueller and a couple other players and asked them to do the the Joseph Martinez King celebration if they scored. <laughs> and when he did it, I was so hoping he would have done it because there was... He said he would have Venmoed him like $400. There was a couple of fans who, uh, who chipped that. in as well. That. My, my only regret from that moment, Mueller making it to Sound and Music, is that it wasn't in front of 40,000 plastics. Like, that's my only regret. Like, um, I would have loved to hear how quiet it went in there when he scored that goal. But what a move, right? What a move. Oh, it was gorgeous. Uh, fantastic team goal. Fantastic. You've left me with two. Uh, the one I'm going to pick. All right. So... So let's get out of the way. I'm not picking this one. Benji Michelle, banger. Okay, that that's Wait, you're not picking the... Benji's? No. Ooh, no, that no. was my second. That was it was it. It was. I that was my I second. Was... Then okay, I guess I'm surprising cool. you. You are. I think I know which one you're going with. You're, yeah, you're going to know because there's only one other option. Daryl DK versus Inter Miami. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> well, I, I have another honorable mention, though. Mauricio okay. Pereira versus Inter Miami. Yeah, that's a bad finish. That game winner. Ooh, what a finish. You you that, know what's so crazy? That's an it? honorable mention for me. Watch it again. Everybody right now. Maybe not right now. Don't pause this podcast. Don't pause <laughs> this podcast. After this podcast, I want you to remember. Watch it again, because Robles thinks he's going far post. You can see him take the step. And he just, at the last second, cuts it into the near post, curls it into that bottom left corner. Mm, mm, so good. Such a good it's goal. A Great. Sexual finish. Great. Sexual. I, think, I think Benji's going to be at in this podcast for not getting a shout out. I mean, what a goal in Nashville as well. I mean, there was some great candidates, wasn't there? But what a goal that was. Mm, yeah. Ben, Benji's deserves it. It's a very good goal. I think it's better than Aronson's. I don't know if y'all saw it. But uh, it's curling away as well. And it's a good goal. But for me, DK, first start for the team, bullies, absolutely bullies the all-star defender, uh, has two people on him, takes the shot, follows it up, takes it again, gets blocked, lands at his feet, gets a little lucky, and then shoots it again. It does deflect, but the pure determination to keep going and just... Yes, it's lucky it falls into his path three times, but, but you make also he luck. works for it. Yes, 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 yes. That is fantastic there, Taylor. You make your own luck, and he made it. And it comes in a game that we lost, and it's disappointing. But I think that goal, not only is it goal of phase one because of just the sheer determination, I think mentally it settled him down, and it allowed him to have his great play throughout every single other game. 
when you get that first goal as a professional, you just settle down. We've seen it at Arsenal. Um, we have a young we have a young English player named uh, Eddie Nketiah, and he is very very close to becoming the record breaker for most goals in England under twenty one international. He yeah. goes to the first team and he gets so nervous he just loses it in front of goal. Yeah. I it's very frustrating to watch because we've seen him do it at a under under twenty three under twenty one levels being the top scorer all the time. You get in that first team and you just get nervous. Daryl DK. He made his luck. That's great, Taylor. I love that. And he gets his goal. That calms him down 100%. Like I said earlier in the pod, I think uh, LGP, which is a guy I hate because he had the better of us so many games for Atlanta. But he's and still what a prick. Yeah, he, he's still spinning from that game. Like um, DK had him, you know, he could eat him for breakfast in that game. But everyone's saying, you know, DK's breakout game was the one at um, Exploria when the fans were back. Obviously, he got a brace that evening but yeah I think you make a good point that um yeah getting your first MLS career goal and between those games the Miami and the uh, the Nashville games he uh he broke a record for a rookie um I think he's the fastest rookie to to three goals in his first two starts I think was the mm-hmm. uh, the stat so yeah August player of the month and breaking records for a rookie when what pick was he the third the fifth fifth the fifth I mean Miami passed on him twice Nashville once there you go. There you go. I think we uh, I think we did well, and I think we should be excited about Daryl DK. Fantastic start to uh, to life in Florida. All right, Taylor. Who is your player of phase one, and, and why is it Mendez so Adam can't talk about him? <laughs> player of phase one. Um, there's been a, a few candidates, um, which is a positive thing. Um, we've not been used to saying things like that, but for me, it's our number 10. It's Mauricio Perea for me. Um, before the MLS's back tournament, um, strange signing in that he was on the roster last year, but it wasn't the Mauricio Perea that you know we were signing from Krasnodar. He was trying to you know get his fitness back. He was bit part. He waited a while to make his debut. I think he made it at Minnesota away. Um, but now we're seeing the number ten. We were um, we were expecting. Um, I think in the bubble we saw. Um, Mauricio Perea pressed from the front. Um, he's now added goals and assists on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether it's the conversion from um, from black to blonde hair, but I think the blonde <laughs> him, he's, uh yeah, no, he's he, he's been fantastic in the um, in the tournament and the uh, the six game resumption. Um, there's been many candidates. Um, like I said, we've we've beat DK to death. We know how well he's done um, for a rookie, but um, I think the e the improvement of Mauricio Perea um, that the leagues kind of stand up and being like, oh, he's that guy from Orlando now. When he came in from Krasnodar midway through last season, you know, MLS fans at large probably didn't know who he was. I think um, everyone when they're going through Orlando City's team shape now, they're seeing Nani when he's fit and when he's starting. Um, they're seeing Galese and Goa Peru number one, and then I think they're seeing uh, Mauricio Perea. Um, as the 10, um, a special player, um, a designated player, I think. I had this conversation a lot. I, he is a DP at the moment, right, with us? I, yeah, I, I'm fine with just giving him DP tag. Uh, yeah. It He could have been bought down. I don't think we did because yeah. we just, if we didn't have to, we if we had that DP slot available, which I think we did, yeah. why waste the TAM? Yeah. 
but a uh, but a player who I believe is in the last year of his contract as well. So another we've already spoken about Carlos and Perea, um, Andres Perea turning their loans permanent. Um, Mauricio Perea is a player who's you know getting older, um, but we've seen this kind of aged player thrive in MLS. Um, we need to sign that guy up. He's um, he's crucial to the way we want to play. We say it like every other podcast. Luis Muzi, Ricardo Moreira. I know you're listening out there. Sign him up. Sign him up. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, he's been fantastic. And he's taken the captaincy as well. That's what I wanted to say as well on this pod tonight. We uh, Speaking of Uri earlier, Uri Rizal was the captain at Mercedes-Benz or Atlanta United. Um, I remember the games we've played in the resumption looking around like, who has got the captain's armband? Because Nanny missed a couple. Um, and Perea's actually um, rotated it. So... He started the season against RSL with Junior Urso, had the captain's armband. Atlanta United away, it was Uri Rizal. And um, in the last game against Inter Miami, it was Mauricio Perea. So he's sharing the captain's armband around when Nani's not available, which is interesting to me. But as you see in the Premier League, in Europe especially, um, to have kind of three or four, Unai Emery did it at Arsenal, to have three or four established players who are captains, I think it's not a bad thing. I think, you know, you, uh, you reward your players with the captain's armband, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get on to Adam now. Why is it Mendez? Um, there's a, a player on our squad who won MLS Player of the Month. Fam, it's Daryl DK. No! <laughs> Couldn't you just let me have him? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why not? Because I want to hear you talk about Mendez. Fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you already know what I think is Subos Mendez. No, no reason for me to go into that again. Daryl DK. I mean, how many times have we just begged for a striker on the, on this podcast, on Twitter, on uh, every single other podcast? All Orlando City fans uh, screaming to the heavens, please get us a striker somehow. And then we signed Mateus Ias, and he's like, I don't know, stuck in an ice cage or something, and uh. And, and so you can edit that out if you want. That was a bad joke. Um, it's Dana. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Abolish I ice baller. My bad jokes. Abolish ice baller. We're at it. But but anyway, yeah. But the, so we signed Mateus Ias. He's not here yet, and we're like, all right. So where's this striker going to come from? Daryl DK still a rookie. Santi Patino's on on loan. Benji Michelle. It could be him, you know. And then we see DK start, and we're like. DK, huh, that's new. Well, we'll see what the kid has. And he scores that goal uh, against Miami over LGP, and we're like, okay, bright spot this game. See if he can do it again. And then he scores a brace against Nashville, and we're like, ooh, <laughs> what do we have here? This Daryl DK kid's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. And then we see him continually, and he cooled off a little bit on the goal scoring. That's fine because uh, a striker, particularly in Pareja system, needs to do more than score goals. He is a- an adequate passer and just, you know, in, in the link up play like Tesho, it was, I don't see a huge downgrade from uh, from Tesho to him in terms of like the passing and the link up play. I think Tesho is still a little better just because of experience. But, you know, for a rookie, DK is fantastic at that. His hold up play and we talked about him using his gravity to his advantage. He has I mean, he. I imagine he's been this big his entire life compared to 
like people his age and in his group? Um, actually, uh, somebody tagged me in an article they wrote um, about DK. They're from Oklahoma, and they their son played with him on the ODP team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he kind of wrote about his upbringing. Yes, he has been bigger than everybody his entire life. Yes. So I imagine he's used to playing like that, you know? And, and so that doesn't really shock me that that he knows how to use his size to his advantage because, you know, he's been himself his entire life. It, it sounds a little simplistic, but that's a big part of it. And so, but he knows how to use his size to his advantage and he he's able to convert it, it to to skill at a professional level. And I think that, and he got justly rewarded it as MLS player of the month for his efforts. And uh, the last time we had a striker like this, and when I am uttering his name in the same sentence, you know, it's legit. It was Kyle Laren. And I'm not saying they're the same player. I'm not saying they're the same type complete of complete opposites. They're not. I wouldn't say complete opposites. I mean, Laren was a strong guy who knew how to use his strength too, just in a different way. But they are, he is of the, of a quality that we haven't seen anyone approach since Kyle Laren. And that is extremely exciting because we we were just saying this team's missing a striker. Yeah. They have depth issues. We could use another, uh, another, two attacking pieces and we could use some depth on the back line fine but i think our best 11 is finally set and if i if i ask can come in and be in and be contribute in any way and if we can get like another winger or, or central central attacker and if we can get another fullback that would be great but i think our biggest problem has been solved by daryl dk and that's why he's my man of the tournament or uh man of phase one <laughs> We're still up on this tournament, aren't we? <laughs> and that was that was a fun tournament. It was a fun tournament. We have a little bit of success, and we can't let it go. <laughs> I want to go back to the magic bubble. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, uh, Gavin, talk about Mendez, please. Well, that's interesting because I thought you were going to talk about Mendez. So I was going to talk about Daryl DK. But another player that popped into my mind was, in fact, Antonio Carlos. Oh, no, Mendez has been better. Come on. (laughs) I think Antonio Carlos has been just as consistent as Mendez. You know, we've talked about Carlos enough. I'll give it to Mendez. (laughs) Carlos, very consistent, has held down that back line. Um, He he deserves a mention. It is, I think it is Mendez. Um, Very, 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 very good phase one from him. After a very good tournament and um, a good a good start to the season, we uh, do people forget that like he was amazing those first two games of the season. Like, do you I remember didn't. he had? I, I know you didn't. I think some fans forget just how good he looked in that RSL game specifically. He looked fantastic in that game, and he's showing it. And I am more confident when he's on the field. I said this last episode. I am more confident when he's on the field than Urso is. And that has changed. Originally, it was I was more confident when Urso was on the field than Mendez. Um, and that is because he looks tidy on the ball and and good in defense. I mean, like I, I said, he he did really, really, really well against Matuidi, uh, who is still getting acclimated to the league, blah, 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 getting acclimated to his team. But still, Matuidi is a world-class player. Uh, Mendez 
had a great tur- uh oh my god i almost did it myself had a great phase one um locked down that midfield and you know one thing i wish his he was better at is just hitting his shots at least on target he could have had a goal against miami if was it Miami? No, it was it was against Atlanta where he uh, hit it along the ground and Guzan saved it. If he floats that or lifts it just a little bit, that's a goal, which is frustrating. And we probably go on and win that game, but it is what it is. And Mendez still had a great Phase One. Uh, Adam, really quickly here, uh, you don't have to go in depth. What, in your opinion, was the best team performance of Phase One? And we can do overlap here uh, because you know it I think is Atlanta. You think Atlanta, Atlanta away? Definitely. Yeah, I think the Atlanta win. It just also to get the monkey off the back and that little bit of add pressure and to put out that performance. I, very impressive. So let's go through the games. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be Miami. Uh, Nashville home three uh, one. What what were the goals? The the Chris Mueller goal and the the, the DK two. Yeah. I and um. But Nash did Nashville score early on in this? No, Nashville scored in first in that game. Okay. Yeah, one nil. Um, I think we equalized two minutes later, very quick. Yeah. Uh, then the Nashville, then the Atlanta three one, and then the Nashville one one slow game. That really isn't it. Do you guys think at all Atlanta one one at home, a very good team performance until giving up that that late goal? Obviously, we didn't win. But could you say that performance might have been even better than the the away one? Yeah, listen, listen how I'll sum this up is this. On another night, we thrashed them 4-1. Um, I easily. think So easily. So frustrating that it was one all. That was a win to them, um, how late it was. Terrible striker like Adam Jean. That was a win to them. But you'd be more worried, you'd be more concerned if um, if we weren't creating the chances you know, we created chance after chance after chance. And yet, were we terrible for not putting them away? Absolutely. But you'd be more concerned if we weren't creating those um, moves, creating those plays. So another night, 4-5-1, easy against those guys. Because for me, the most complete perform. Okay, maybe not complete. Complete's not the right word. I think the best performance for me is actually the home 1-1 against Atlanta. Because of the chance creation, we defended fantastically that game right until the end. Uh, like you said, Adam John putting it in the net with the Kamal Miller giveaway. And just complete no, because the offense was not firing on all cylinders. But Adam did... Adam, why did I say Adam? Atlanta had moments in the game that we that we won 3-1. to one. They did kind of come at us. They did kind of attack us. That game was 2-1 at one point. Don't forget that. And then Urso uh, won the ball off PT Martinez, shrugged him to the side, gave it to Nani, and Nani finished it off to make it 3-1. I don't know. For me, I think our best performance as a team was the 1-1 draw. All right, and then the last thing we're going to talk about is I wanted to preview the Chicago game. And I believe... Our man Taylor here has some stats he wants to share with us about Chicago. So go right ahead, Taylor. Yes. So I've uh, I've been looking forward to this. So Chicago Fire. Um, what are we? Uh, four points off the uh, the Eastern Conference summit. Like huge, huge opportunity. Third game of three at home. We we have to win this game. But before I dive into some stats that you'll be like, what? Huh? huh? Honestly, wait for these stats. They blew my mind when I put together my preview earlier. Um, it will be out tomorrow. 
Um, but yeah, before I start, Adam, Gavin, Chicago Fire, in a word or two, describe Chicago Fire briefly. Uh, Are you talking about five years? What was that? Just describe Chicago Fire over the last five years. What What do you think of when you think Chicago Fire? I don't. Okay. I don't think about them. <laughs> exactly, Gavin. Um. So. I thought you were going to say their their team now uh, to preview the game right now. but uh, over uh, My the answer is the same years, for their team right now. <laughs> no, I think their team right now is better than over the last five years, to be fair. Um, over the last five years, bang average, not playoff worthy. Right. So bang average, not playoff worthy, not relevant. I think that's the first one. Not relevant, just like Orlando City have been. Right. So this is how I'm going to lead into this. So... Mm. A side as bad as Chicago Fire, right? The, these stats blew my mind. I'm sure they will yours too and um, the listeners. Um, heading into the weekend now, is this a term in the United States bogey side? You know, a side you hate playing? Uh, we know what it means, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't think it's like really a term yeah. in the United States. I don't know the equivalent for you guys in the States, but bogey side, obviously it's been Atlanta United. Uh, uh, the equivalent would be a trap game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so Chicago Fire, you'd never believe it, but these guys are a bogey side, a trap team for Orlando City. Um, here's, the, here's the first one. So we played Fire, you know, they've been in the league, you know, for a lot longer um, than us. We played them 11 times since 2015. We've beat them twice in 11 games. There's been five ties and Fire have won four of those games. So... Not a great record at all, but... Um, when was our last win? Yeah, this is the one. That, well, there's two that really shocked me. This is the first one. Fire are unbeaten in their last eight, yes, eight MLS head <laughs> of Orlando. A, a side that's been as bad as Chicago Fire, equally as bad as us, if not worse, over the last five years. Eight head-to-heads they've gone unbeaten against us. I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. Um, bogey team, for whatever reason, I don't know, but they turn up against us. But this one, I have to tell you this one as well. Um, dug through Wikipedia hard this week um, to preview this game. Like I say, it'll be out tomorrow. But Chicago Fire are one of the worst travelers in all of Major League Soccer, right? So they had Belko Parnovic, now with Rafael Vicky, um, new identity, 2025, terrible logo, whatever. But Fire have failed to win 35 of their last 39 road fixtures in MLS. I mean, talk about form coming to Explorer Stadium for a game we should win. I mean, amazing, right? They've failed to win 35 of their last 39 road games. So they've picked up four results in three years, three full seasons, right? The last shocking stat, because I'm sure you're shocked already. Of those four games, so of those four games they didn't lose on the road, just four from three years, two of those were wins at Orlando City. No. I mean, that, that tells you two things. That, that doesn't shock me. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you two things. Just how shit Orlando City have been since 2015. And secondly, that fire are just there for the taking, but they... I, there is no reason for it. Different roster turnover. You know, Paunovic has been there for most. They turn up against us. Um, and the two defeats to uh, to finish off this uh, this mini preview, um, the 2-5, how we bow out last season, O'Connor's relieved of his duties 24 hours later. I spoke earlier in the pod about not being too reactionary and kind of not getting too high, not getting too low. That was a data rant. That was disgusting. Um, they knew O'Connor was going, but that was a disgusting way to turn up and play. 
That is one of the most forgettable games of the five and a bit years so far. But the other game, so their other win at Exploria Stadium, I think a 100-year-old Alan Gordon um, struck late. Don't know if you remember it. It's a bit in the archives, but they won 2-1 at Exploria Stadium back in 2018, I believe. Yeah, 2018 or 2017. So, yeah, Chicago Fire. Who'd have thought it? But those are those guys are a side that have the beating of Orlando City. So... That's, you know, we need to change that. To be fair, to 2018, every single club in America could have beaten us at home. Not not just not just MLS, USL, NASL, uh, ODP, um, U15, any of them. Any of them could have beaten us at Exploria. But eight MLS head-to-heads unbeaten, I mean. That's ridiculous. And and I agree also, the, the, the away from home record, that's a great stat, by the way. And the fact that we are two of those four wins away from home terrible disgusting so there you have it i mean um it's a completely different chicago fire new badge new plastic badge and a rafael vicky's in charge now but those guys have you know they're back in soldier field this season um those guys have really stuttered um it was a big job for vicky coming in um they've got some exciting players on their roster for sure um madran has been a good pickup um but this this is a team that we have to beat. We've got two very difficult games. Um, first, um, Sporting Kansas City, the Western Conference table toppers after this on the road. Um, and then the Oscar Pereira reunion at FC Dallas. Those are two very difficult games. Um, so this one has to be a win. Um, we've had a full week's rest since Miami. So, um, yeah, I want to snap this terrible uh, curse or streak against the, uh, the god-awful Chicago Fire. Yeah, and I mean... FC Dallas have have uh, after starting phase one pretty poorly. They they lost in tied against Nashville. Um, they've they've started to to turn up their form. They're winning like three or four one right now against um, the Colorado Rapids, uh, who of course beat us. But yeah, if if I'm gonna go into it with Chicago Fire, just to preview real quick. Uh, I know Adam, you said you don't really think about them, so you probably don't know a lot about their squad. Nope. Alvaro Alvaro Madron. Uh, great pickup uh, for free. Uh, obviously, he was a free agent uh, after leaving Real Madrid. Okay, Jorge um, Mihalovic um, is a, an academy player from the Fire. Uh, Transfermarkt already has him listed at 3.3 million. They don't do that for MLS youngsters. He's good. He's very good, uh, especially American youngsters. Uh, and and I've watched him play fast. He's good at dribbling. He can really hurt you. Okay, another one, Robert Barich for me. Lewandowski 2.0, or I guess Lewandowski is Robert Barrett's 2.0. I don't know. Um, he started well, for sure. He started well. He's just one of those players that the ball will fall to him. He's got great movement. He can he can dribble. He's good at on the ball. But mostly, when he gets the chance, he finishes it. This season alone, I'm pulling up his stats now, only two goals, um, or three goals. He had one in MLS's back. So not a lot, but... I think that's more to do with Chicago's overall poor play and creation rather than his poor finishing ability. He's a DP striker. I really like the look at look of him. He was not that expensive either for them. Um, obviously DK's on, on our team now, but if we were still struggling at striker, I would have been kind of looking at our front office going, Hey, 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 why didn't we look at this guy? You know, why, why weren't we able to bring him in that, that kind of player? I'm serious. Fire as well. I was going to say, so they, they come into this game at having absolutely thrown away a 2-0 lead against uh, the Columbus crew, obviously not too, too far mm-hmm. from Chicago. 
Um, they were 2-0 up after 14 minutes. The two players, ironically, you mentioned, Mihailovic and Beric getting the goals. Um, Alashe and Zardes scoring late on to peg them back. So, you know, they're wounded at the moment. Um Chicago Fire, they're a team that we, we should be beating. You know, our expectations are higher now. Um, you know, they're an also-ran team. Um, we, this, is, this one's got to be free. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because actually on my preview that I put out uh, yesterday or two days ago, um, I said that that could come back, you know, to kind of hurt us because they're going to be, yes, they might be hurting, but they're going to be mad. You know, they had you don't want to say three points in the bag, but they're going up against Columbus crew, uh, two nil up 14 minutes. They kind of sit back and let Columbus crew control the game. Obviously now that they're two nil up and the way that the second goal goes in, uh, a player takes a shot. It deflects into Zardes's path. He scores. It's very unlucky from Chicago's point of view. Yeah. I would be, it, it's kind of like with the Atlanta goal. Remember how uh, after, um, Nashville, our players were pissed and said they wanted to, uh, they wanted to write the wrong of the Nashville result, and then they go to Atlanta and they again they get pegged back. I think it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we come out against Miami and look much better. I'm yeah. afraid of that. Uh, they uh, just to kind of go through their other big name players: uh, Gaston Jimenez, defensive midfielder. Uh, he's another DP. I think another team in MLS almost signed him, and then it went through, unfortunately. So he's a you know, decent player. I wouldn't say he's game changing. Obviously, they've struggled this season, but decent player, uh, one of their DPs. And then Ignacio Aliceda is their young DP. They just signed him recently. Um, offensive threat, yes. But the big thing I want to talk about, and again, I talked about it in my preview, is their right hand side is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen because they will cut in um, whoever's on the right wing. And Sekulich, who is their right back, who I've never heard of for, before, Boris Sekulich, he plays higher up than Juan plays. Well, I'm not even joking. Uh, <laughs> I don't know because he looks average. Honestly, he looks like an average right back. Yeah. And so he he's clearly an attacking right back, but his, his heat maps on who scored are almost like a right winger. Position for Nani to exploit. Yes, yeah, I was going to say. So what you're saying is Nani is going to have a field day against him. Nani's going to have a field day. And that's exactly what I wrote in my preview. What, I said Meg's on the agenda. <laughs> yeah. So what I, I literally put this out on the preview, I put it, I, I put it, I, I painted a perfect picture of my image. We win the ball back. Nani is in the space that Sekulich leaves wide open, right? Instantly find Pereira uh, when we win the ball back in our third Pereira fires it out to Nani. He's one-on-one with their right center back, who will probably be Maurizio Pineda, not Maurizio Pereira. Um, Maurizio Pineda has been starting at right center back for them. Okay. DK comes over, shows. They play a one-two. Nani's in behind, plays it across to Chris Mueller. Goal. That is exactly how I can see this going because of just how far up the field Sekulich likes to play. Now, if uh, Rafael Vicky is smart, he won't do that. Because Nani's a good player. I hope Rafael Vicky is dumb, puts Sekulich as far up as possible, and uh, we take advantage of it. The thing is, is he did it against um, Columbus Crew, and that's why I think he's dumb enough to do it against us as well. So keep an eye on Nani. Keep an eye on that left-hand side. I really want to see us overload that side. It would have been brilliant to have Joao Moutinho in this game uh, because, you know, Nashville's right-hand side was their, their wrong, their uh, worst side out of the two. And we took advantage of it with Joao Moutinho. 
it would have been nice to have him in this game. He probably won't make it. Hopefully, Nani can have a massive game against Chicago. Absolutely. And a couple last footnotes on um, Chicago Fire as well. So, you know, if um, if the teams don't pull out of the MLS's back, you know, we would have faced these guys in Group A. So we would have had, you know, we would have filled them out a bit more. They're obviously new identity, new approach now under Vicky. Um, but one last footnote, um, he did come on against the crew at Soldier Field, but a guy that actually was with us in USL and has haunted us for so many clubs for whatever reason. Um, CJ Sapong is still on the fire. So um, he came on for Berich. Berich is the starter. But uh, yeah, I'm sick of conceding goals to that guy as well. So hopefully, you know, Carlos and Jansen are tight. I forgot he was with us. Yeah, it didn't. Well, lots of Wikipedia, but USL apparently. Yeah, I'm actually on Transfermarkt right now. It says he joined us on July 11th and left July 19th. <laughs> Same year. Fought against us for so many different teams since as well. Uh, you remember he uh, he got the last minute equalizer. No, um, I don't want to remember that. Yeah. Yes, I remember I'm that. I'm sorry for bringing it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's still it's like he there. stayed just long enough to get the the uh, the scoring against Orlando City touch, and then he left. Yeah, but um, but yeah, no, he's still on the fire. Um, surprisingly, so uh, yeah, but a bench man nowadays. Yeah, very annoying. Uh, please, that by the way, that should just about do it. Um, please, please let us know your thoughts on on our thoughts on Phase One. I want to know your thoughts on Phase One. Uh, who was your disappointment of Phase One? Underrated player, surprise player, or moment? Uh, goal of Phase One, player of Phase One, performance of Phase One. Uh, please reach out. Let us all know. Uh, Taylor, where can my listeners find you at? I'm sure they already follow you, but you know, you know the drill. Yeah, for sure. So um, our website is uh, weareorlandocityuk.com. Um, as discussed, we're going to be uh, um, publishing that full Chicago Fire match preview, stats preview tomorrow. So look out for that. Um, that will be posted on our Twitter, uh, which is at Orlando underscore City UK. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. If you are not, give Taylor a follow. You 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 just have to. It's it's a requirement if you're an Orlando City fan. Uh, uh, yeah, we're really raising Taylor's profile here. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. Adam, where can our listeners find you at? You can find me on uh, Twitter or Instagram. Apparently, stirring drama on Lions Blog at uh, at Kosher Taco Truck. As always, guys, thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Vamos, vamos Orlando. Here, Nani gets in behind. Here's Nani with a chip. It's 1-1. One, one.